So I thought I'd share some thoughts today about um, metta, about loving kindness. And in particular, the way I've been thinking about it lately is that there are different domains of um, loving kindness or heart practices. And for metta, what's been meaningful for me is to see it as having kind of three different scopes. And one of them is is the interpersonal, the sense of having goodwill, friendliness in our relationships with other people, people that we know and see frequently, like our family and our friends and our coworkers, and also people that we meet less frequently, people on the street, people that we're driving with. Um, And then, of course, there's the wider scope. But maybe interpersonal really relates to people that we see in person. So that's kind of one domain. And then the second is, and this is emphasized maybe less often, is the intrapersonal, is within our own mind. One part of loving kindness is to become friendly with everything that arises in our experience. And it doesn't necessarily just mean seeing ourselves as a person that we care about, although that's huge, that's a huge domain. But even maybe on a shorter time scale, feeling friendly and accepting of what is arising in our experience, because it's coming, why? Because the conditions for it are there. You know, at this moment, if what's arising is anger or sadness, um, it didn't come because it was a mistake or because it was the wrong thing or because we forgot to be spiritual enough at that moment. Uh, It came because whatever, the conditions for it were there. And so it couldn't have not arisen. And metta is a practice that comes from that understanding that what's happening right now is there because the conditions for it are there. Now the next moment we may have some influence over what conditions continue, um, but there's, in a sense, no wrong arisings. Do we accept that? And so seeing that internally is a big part of metta practice, I think. That has a lot to do with developing equanimity and the ability to be present for our changing internal world which is really where the suffering and the not-suffering happen, is in our changing internal world, in our relationship to experience. And then the third domain out of three that that I think are relevant for metta is the more universal one, you know, the sense of it's a huge interconnected world and, you know, what I put into it affects all of it in a sense, and so this um, this quality of feeling love, even for those we don't know, for the world situation, I'm going to meet everything with this openness as to the degree possible. All these different facets are interrelated, of course, but I'm separating them out for our understanding. And why is this useful? I think because 
we, we try sometimes to start with the external. Yes, we hear you have to love yourself before everyone else, and we do to some degree. But the natural sense is, okay, now I want to expand this out and out and out and out. Um, and in a way, and we do do that, loving kindness is meant to get larger and include everything. But I feel like the path to do that goes through the inner world. It goes through the heart and out the other side. And until we've done that, it's very hard um, to spread as far as the ends of this universe. So I wanted to focus today then on that um, inner world, having metta for all of our experience. This, of course, includes meditation. That's where we really get to practice it because we're just with our own experience um, during that time. And then, of course, it, it can expand into our life. So in the inner world, the practice of metta has everything to do with what I would call inner safety and making our inner world uh, a hospitable place for all kinds of things to arise. If we want to understand and see all of our experience and have access to all of our inner life, which I think is necessary for full awakening, um, we need for everything to be welcome and everything to be able to be seen. There are parts that we judge or don't want to be there or are continually saying, no, 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 not you. Um, those ones sort of don't come as often. <laughs> they get shy in the same way that people get shy when they're shut down a lot. They don't then want to express themselves. So what are we doing on the inside about all of our shy mind states? So I want to offer today five principles of inner safety that they actually came to me on a long retreat that I had. And so I'll offer them in the form that they came and unpack what the meaning means. The first two um, go together. They are, it is okay for anything to arise, and it is okay for anything to cease. You can even say these at the beginning of a sit to yourself if you find it relevant, or just bring them up when the moment seems right. And actually, I could stop there, because if we really practiced it's okay for anything to arise and it's okay for anything to cease, that would be enough. Um, and it's actually very profound. In fact, even saying those phrases to oneself privately, you might feel a little bit of the places where we're not allowing those things. Because there are things that we don't want to arise. Oh no, not that. Or not more of that. <laughs> um, yeah, we have that. Or there are things where you know, it's going along pretty well and we don't want it to cease. Don't stop. Don't go away. <laughs> so there is that. But sometimes for some particular mind states, um, that's not sufficient. And so I, the other three that I thought of are um, offerings, principles that are particularly directed to the mind states that might be a little bit shy about coming. 
sometimes I think about um, this is an image given by Ajahn Chah is that our meditation is like we're sitting at the watering hole we're waiting because at some point all the animals have to come to the watering hole we don't have to go hunt all the animals in the forest if we want to see them all we just sit by the watering hole and they all show up eventually but they don't come so easily if we're making a lot of noise and if we're you know one shows up and we say boy you're pretty ugly Um, you know it's not as friendly so these, these other three are directed at the shyer mind states. And the first is, you will not be made to speak. And that's a, maybe an odd way of saying it, but it's, 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 it counters the fact that sometimes we're a little too eager with mindfulness. Um, we can be like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, tell me about yourself. Where did that come from? Is that related to that thing with my mother from 40 years ago? You know, there's kind of this sense of leaping on things, which is not quite mindfulness. There's a little grabbiness in that. And so um, letting mind states know or letting shy emotions know that they don't need to explain themselves. They don't have to explain and justify and fit into some picture they, they, don't, they won't be made to speak. They can just be as they are. Uh, can be really helpful for some things being willing to arise. And then the, the fourth principle is you will not be dismissed or mocked. Mm-hmm. I think we know that one, right? The ones that come and we say, oh, that's so stupid. I can't believe I thought that. Or, oh, that's not very spiritual of me. Or, I don't know, that one doesn't matter. You know, we say things to our emotions and our thoughts that come that we would never say to another person. We wouldn't say to a child, oh, don't be that way. Or, oh, I'm not going to see you, you're not important. So, letting our mind know. This is something we might say at the beginning of a sit, letting our mind know that anything that comes will not be dismissed or mocked by whatever part of ourself that does that. We keep away the judge, in a sense, and that can really help uh, some things, being willing to, to come and be part of experience. And then the, the last one, the fifth principle, is... Um, you will not be made into something you're not. It's another thing that we do with mind states that we're not so accepting of is that we turn them into something else. Oh, I'm sure that um, the fact that I got angry at that person was really fierce compassion. <laughs> we make ourselves look better. Or we might think that, um, you know, we might uh, shortchange ourselves a little bit. Oh, you know, the fact that I... Um, something comes up that is a, a sense of worth or importance of ourselves and we say, oh, that's just the ego. That's a little bit dismissal, but we're making it into something it's not. So it's a little bit, this is another one that encompasses all the other ones, but it's useful to have it separate. So we make things into, you know, how about just accepting things as they are and not trying to fit them into another picture, turn them into something else, make them more Buddhist sounding, something like that. Um, and then, of course, the biggest thing that we make things into that they're not is a self. You know, this is, oh, this anger shows that I am an angry person. I always knew it. My mother always said it. Um, 
or whatever, or there's that, there's that thinking again, I'm a thinker, I'll always be stuck in the cognitive mode. Or, you know, a strong emotion, oh, I'm an emoter, I'll always be lost in my feelings, I'm told I'm not supposed to do that. So much <coughs> interpretation, all of those are interpretations, and so not making things into something that they're not, I mean, it's not dressing them up around things, just letting them arise and pass. Everything in the mind belongs at that moment because the conditions were there for it to come. And so these five principles of inner safety are kind of reminders to ourselves to hold everything in our in a sense of friendliness, in a sense of welcome or acceptance, if you're okay with that word. And just... Um, creating that atmosphere of inner safety that helps us, supports us in having metta in the other two realms of the interpersonal relations of people we actually interact with and of the universal metta for the whole universe, for all beings, even those we don't know, even those across the world, even those we find difficult. I have a quote from Ajahn Suchito. When we make the resolution of kindness, not just toward kittens on a nice day, but even towards cockroaches on a bad day, when we include dictators and brutal maniacs, as well as all aspects of ourselves, then we're making metta into a perfection, a vast and transfiguring way of life. The result is a mind that is grounded in wisdom and compassion, and which easily opens to the peace of Nibbana. So these are my thoughts today. Thank you. Does anyone have any questions or comments? Do you have a good link where we can hear an audio recording of the meta practice? Of the meta practice. Yeah. Um, I think there's one on audio dharma that Gil Fronstall has done. Okay, got it. Or you could also search on Dharma Seed. I'm sure there are yeah, many there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So if you have the app Insight Timer, there's a lot of loving kindness practice. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's, that's good to know also. Yeah.